0: all right that was great um how are you guys doing you doing okay you made it through the cold awful winter stuff that we've got going on here at least for central floridians right it's the awfulness for us aren't you so thankful you're not in other places of the country a little further north Right. Uh, With that, if you're watching online and you happen to be up further in the north, we would love for you to say hello to us. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. If you're new this morning, we'd love for you to fill out, uh, there's a little connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out so that we can know that you are here. And if you're new, my name is Leslie. Most of the time, I'm back in with the kids. Uh, but I, as always, I love it when I get to come here and spend a few minutes with bigger kids, right? Because uh, that's what you guys are. Uh, so 2024, we're here. Uh, a Couple of weeks ago, or last week, I guess it was, in the, in the kids, uh, somehow we were talking about, I can't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about something, and somehow the year that I was born, came out, and uh, one of the kids went oh, when they found out the year because I'm sure it's something they study as en- you know, ancient history or whatever, but 2024, like 2000 was just the other day, like Clark talked about last week, right? I mean, it's hard to believe that we're here. Um, Do you guys have anything that you're excited about for 2024? Do you have big events that are going on? Our daughter is graduating from high school, which is super exciting. Um, For some of you, I know the year has already started out. We're only two weeks in, but there's already been some hard stuff that is going on. And for that, I'm truly sorry, and we're praying for you. Um, Anybody realize that it's an Olympic year? A summer Olympic year. Are you guys excited about Paris 2024? Yeah. One person, you know, you haven't even thought about it yet, right? I happen to love the summer Olympics. I love it, especially for moments like this with Michael Phelps. For the greatest Olympia. Oh, oh, there's, there's no, no audio there. He wasn't okay, out. he's coming. Tires he's in lane four. In lane so oh, there it six, is. Seven and eight. is out hard. Phelps in front of LaCroix. We expected that McGill's out hard. Nothing to panic about at this stage. Diablet is out fast, underwater with Laclo and Phelps. But Phelps is moving his way through okay at the moment. We know he has endurance, and he's starting to find form as this competition he's goes on. Seventh he's in seventh place at the, at the, the turn. turn. And Cavage is in front. LaCroix was eighth at the turn. There's a lot to do for the a whole lot to do. Diabler leads Cabbage. Phelps, I don't know. Leclos coming home hard. Michael, I don't know. He's coming with a run with Diabler. It's going to be closest Diabler and Cabbage and Leclos. He's coming hard, Phelps. He's still a chance. He's a real big chance. Can he do it again? He hits it and ah! he does. Remarkable. Stunning. I have watched that video so many times, it gives me goosebumps every time. It's so inspiring to me. I love watching swimming. I love watching Michael Phelps. Um, Maybe because I swam myself a little bit, Uh, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, uh, The funny thing is about swimming is in off Olympic years, nobody really cares about it. Like you don't see it on TV very much. You don't watch it very much, but in an Olympic year uh, it's all the talk of the town cause you've got swimmers like Michael Phelps. You've got swimmers like Katie Ledecky. And in those years uh, swim team membership swells. I mean there's just tons of kids that come out and join the swim team because they're excited and they want to win the gold and they want to be like Michael and they want to be like Katie until the hard work, and the mundaneness and the difficulty that accompanies practicing swimming like that and it's kind of like january 1st isn't it we get all excited about january 1st and we're gonna lose weight and we're gonna be healthy i read one uh, guy that was gonna stop biting his fingernails he's like 50 i'm thinking there's no chance <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> stop biting his fingernails at the age of 50 right life is too difficult because we we start these goals and we think we're gonna do it and then the mundaneness or the difficulty or the pressures and stresses of life hit and we fall back into those bad habits and just like all the swimmers that join the swim team you know they fade off and by the end of that I don't know a couple months later most of them quit couple months into the new year, and we've bailed on our New Year's resolutions, haven't we? I have no doubt that swimming taught Michael all about making goals and working hard. I know that to be true because, like I said, I swim myself. I know all about those things. And because it's early in January, we could talk about that all morning long, about making goals and what it takes to get them, right? But we're not. Um, There's lots of books out there that you can read, plenty of Plenty of places to find out about that. But what we're going to talk about instead is something else that swimming taught me. Swimming taught me to love lanes and lane lines. And some of you are like, oh, I think I'm going to like this message. Because you like lanes and lane lines too, don't you? You get it. I don't even have to explain what I'm talking about and you get it. And others of you are, are sweating. Like the hair on the back of your neck is, you know, curling because you don't want to be confined by anything that resembles a lane or lane lines, right? You'd rather be out in those wide open spaces, just free to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Well, I'm hoping today to talk about lanes and lane lines in such a way that Maybe it challenges you, uh, those of you who like the lanes, to think a little differently. And maybe it entices some of you who likes those wide open spaces to think about lanes and lane lines for a minute. In swimming, the lanes and the lane lines serve many different purposes. So uh, in practice, Uh, You always swim with the lane line on your right and you swim in circles So you swim this way and then you turn and the lane line is on your right So it gives you direction in a competition It gives you the direction to swim right in the middle of the lane because as you if you were to swim like this You would actually swim a further distance, right? You want to be streamlined Lane lines also um keep you from colliding with other swimmers, no head on collisions in swimming, right? And lane lines also help you find the wall. So I don't know if you noticed in that the lane lines in the middle were one color. And then as you get closer to the wall, they change color. So they let you know where the wall is and the wall in swimming is really important because there you either have a chance to rest for a minute, you know, catch your breath there. You turn, you have to turn, and go a different direction, and at the wall, it's also the place where you just put your head down, and you just do your do, and you get to that wall as fast as you can to finish the race, right? And so I'm really comfortable with lanes and lane lines. I talk, I say, I say, people, you know, we need to find a lane. I say, I use that language all the time because it's just so familiar to me. You got to find your lane, right? And the thing is, swimming in open waters, like the ocean, terrifies me. I'm terrified to swim in the ocean. You can't see the bottom. There's no wall to hold on to. There's critters and there's sand, right? There's currents that can pull you, no matter how good of a swimmer you are. Open waters like that terrify me. But all of my years spent swimming in the pool, Swimming in the lane lines, strengthening those muscles, has given me not only the ability, but the courage to ride the waves. You can't take me to the beach if it's warm enough. I'm going to be in the water. I'm going to be riding the waves. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is swimming or living life with some lanes and some lane lines, not just so we can go up and back and up and back and up and back, but so that we can have the joy of getting in the ocean and riding the waves that come with life. Waves in life, the ups and the downs, they're inevitable, aren't they? The hard times, the good times, they're inevitable. And if we can... Get used to swimming in a lane with these couple of lane lines I'm going to talk about. I think we'll be able to do that together. A quick, like, little PSA here real quick. If you're new to Grace, one of the things we talk about all the time is good news and good advice. Good news is uh, the gospel. It's who God is, what he's done for us that we can't do ourselves. The good news is Jesus. The good news is his love. The good news is that we cannot be separated from him. That is the good news. And if you hear nothing else this morning, take that nugget, sit there, and you're good to go. But sometimes, every now and then, we're going to talk a little bit about good advice. And this morning, really, this whole thing is just good advice. And it happens to be good, not because it's mine... But because it does come from the Bible, it comes from Paul, most of what I'm going to say this morning is, it, are things that Paul has told us within the Bible. And I've um, I found this advice to be really helpful for me in the last few months, weeks, <laughs> days. I've been thinking a lot about it, and it's helping me face the things that. I'm facing and so I'm hoping that some of it's, it can be helpful for some of you too a few years ago Alan and I felt like our lives had been turned upside down we didn't know where we were where we were going how we were gonna get there there was no rest in sight it just felt very vulnerable like we were out in the middle of the ocean treading water with no idea how to get to the shore and there was a day that I was reading and I came across this verse 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly, which is decently or gracefully, before outsiders and be dependent on no one. I loved that verse so much in that moment that I got onto Etsy. I had somebody creative painted on a sign, and it hangs in our bedroom. To live quietly, to work with our hands, so that we can walk properly, gracefully, before outsiders. The Greek word that Paul uses here for aspire is not one I'm going to even attempt to say because it's this big old long thing that I have no idea how to pronounce it. But I do want to spend a couple of minutes at looking at what Paul thought was important to aspire to. Romans 15, 20 through 21 says this I make it my ambition or my aspiration, it's the same word there, to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but it is written so that those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul tells us that he believes that this is a pretty good aspiration, like this is something that we can aspire to, something we can work towards, something we can look to. I think that's a pretty good Goal, aspiration, right? Like that's something that we could all do. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our ambition or our aspiration, our aim to please him. And I'll tell you, when I read this one, um, as someone who believes in the good news that God loves me and um, He's my Father and I'm His daughter, I had to, I had to go. Wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what are you telling me here, Paul? Like, is there something that I have to do in order to please God? Like, a little, you know, question mark went up. And I think uh, what I do, well, what I do in these moments when I come across these verses that, you know, just kind of make me go, okay. What's happening here? Uh, you go to the verses before and you go to the verses after. The verses before, Paul's explaining about um, whether home or away. What, home, being home in the mortal body or away from the mortal body. So he's talking about those different things. And then in the verses that follow, he talks about being controlled by Jesus' love. Being controlled by Jesus' love and seeing people after their spirit, not their flesh. So, what I think Paul is trying to say here by saying that we can aim to please God is kind of like uh, when your kids put away the dishes without you even asking them, and it just makes your heart so happy. I'm thinking that what Paul is saying here is that no matter where we are, whether we're home, whether we're away, I'm thinking what Paul is saying is that if we're loving others, if we're being controlled by his love, that makes him happy. It just makes him happy. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make him love us more. It just makes a father's heart happy. So that's a pretty good aspiration, you know. I like it. And then I did talk about 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 that talked about the aspiration of walking through this life gracefully so that others can see God, hopefully, in us, right? And so at least according to Paul, these aspirations are things worth working towards, with, with, with purposing towards, Right? I would love to share the good news of the gospel with more people than I do. I would love it, especially with those who haven't ever heard of Him before. Like that would be awesome to have that ability. It would be awesome to be controlled by love all the time. God, that would be great. It would be awesome to live gracefully, but I don't do those things all that I want. Just ask my children. They know that I'm not always gracious, right? Those that are close to me. Sometimes life's difficulties and the mundaneness, the day in, the day out, sometimes the drudgery is just too much. And you know what? I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to sit with anybody, I don't want to talk to them, and I certainly don't want to be gracious in the conversation that I'm about to have. Anyone? Or is that just me? (laughs) There's some of you I know. At least half of you or so are introverts. And I know you get what I'm talking about. Some days I just don't want to do it. (sighs) But that doesn't mean they're not good aspirations. And I want to do it more. And so what I've come to, what I've been learning about, what I've been thinking about for, I don't know, quite a while right now, are these two lane lines, these two guides that are going to help me do that more, that are going to help me accomplish this, these aspirations that I think that Paul has set out there. And these lane lines are humility and hope. Humility and hope. Humility is the choice, the choice that we make to not live in an exaggerated uh, Arrogance, an exaggerated pride. It's a choice that we make, right? According to the Bible, humility serves others. It serves others. It's always, always accompanied by things like gentleness and kindness and compassion and grace. We don't always, like humility, it's, it's kind of a hard characteristic to get a hold of but you can see gentleness and kindness and grace in people and you can know that there is a humility there in the way that people are caring for and treating each other's the bible tells us god gives grace to the humble to those of us who understand who he is we have received his grace and we know what it is that he has given us. Humbly recognizing and remembering the good news, the how much God loves me, the all that he has done for me, that's a humble receiving when we get that, right? And that there's nothing that can separate us from him. That there, there's a humility in that. There's nothing I can do that is so bad That he would separate himself from us there's a humility there and with humility I can securely face my day no matter what comes it was really interesting I was uh, reading different articles on humility and there was one that I read uh, that kind of caught me off guard I'm not gonna lie and it said that insecurity is actually a perverse form of pride, insecurity is a perverse form of pride, and the author went on to say um, uh, that people, uh, insecure people, ask questions like, "What are they going to think about me?" Right, insecure people, and uh, the author then says, "What makes you think people are thinking about you?" And I was like, <laughs> "Ouch." I giggled out loud to myself in a very uncomfortable manner because that hit way too close to home for me. Right? What will people think if I don't do well, if I don't succeed, if I don't get it all done like I say I'm going to get it done? What will people think of me? (laughs) Right? It's a perverse form of pride. Ah, It's painful a little bit. We need to be careful with those insecurities. Humility, all good. Insecurities, a little scary right there. We need to check those, right? We need to be careful. Maybe, uh, maybe just knowing God loves us is enough. Maybe the most humble thing we can do maybe the most humble thing we can do is believe that we are enough, that we are enough. With humility guiding us, I think we'll be more empathetic. I think we'll be more caring towards those we love and those we don't even know. I think we'll be more aware of when we should share what we're thinking and feeling And maybe more aware of maybe sometimes when we should shush and let them share what they're thinking and what they're going through. Humility is a great lane line. It keeps us on track. It keeps us from bumping into others and having head-on collision. It helps us. It's a great lane line as we go through this life. And we aspire to things like sharing the gospel with people who don't know. Right? Another thing that lane lines do that I didn't say before, another thing that lane lines do is uh, as you're in a pool and you're swimming with lane lines, the lane lines uh, uh, smooth out and absorb the waves. So when you're watching the Olympics this summer, if you watch the swimmers swimming, ahead of them is always smooth water. And that's the lane lines and the gutter systems working together to smooth out. The waters for the swimmer i think humility does that i think humility smooths out the waves that we create as we're splashing through this life right it kind of smooths it out for us humility smooths the waves that we create as we live our lives and so does hope In the same way, hope gives us direction. It keeps us from bumping into each other. It lets us know where the wall is so we can rest for a minute or turn around or finish strong. Hope, as we often think of it um, these days, right, is, is a hope that's, you know, an anticipation for something that we want. I hope I lose 20 pounds this year. I hope I get a car for Christmas. You know, it's it's a hope. It's a wanting something that that we don't have. It's a desire that's out there like that. There's an archaic, if you look it up in Merriam-Webster's, it it says, you know, right under the definition of hope, and then it has archaic definition, and that definition is to trust. That's the hope that I want. I trust in God. Right? Like we sang this morning, it's a trust, it's a hope, it's a trust in him. And the Hebrew, actually, in the Old Testament, has several words that um, are translated hope. The two most uh, commonly used are yahal and kavah. Don't judge my Hebrew. But Yahal and Kavah. Yahal is what Noah was doing as he was waiting for the waters to recede after the flood. He was waiting. He was waiting. That's Yahal. Kavah is a picture of the tension while you wait. The word kav actually means a cord. Okay, and kava is a picture of a cord being pulled tight in different directions, being pulled tight. And then the moment that the tension is released, that is kava. It's a picture of expectation and hope. Job 7.2 says, or it talks about a slave kavahing, uh, pardon me for that, Kava'ing for the shadows at the end of a long day. Why would a slave want to wait? Why would a slave anticipate the end of the day? Because it would be his time to rest, right? It would be his time to rest. Job 30.26 says, I have kava'd for good, but evil came. Psalm 69, 20 says, I have Kavad for peace, but there was none. Jeremiah 8:15 says, We have Kavad for peace, but no good came. There's a tension there. Do you feel it? Do you guys feel that tension even in life now? Like you know the good you know god is good you know you're good in him you know he's love but you don't always see it you don't always feel it and there's a pressure there there's a tension that we're waiting for we're hoping we will be released we're hoping we'll see it and understand it someday the guys who wrote this, these verses their lives were difficult they weren't making light of it they were waiting hoping longing for something that was better they believe it will come they believe it but it's not there yet a few other kava verses are psalms 27 14 kava or wait for the lord be strong let your heart take courage kava for the lord wait because that release it's coming Isaiah 40 31. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Isaiah 40 31 says, those who wait or kava on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the reason this is one of my favorite verses, I think I've told you this before, it's because I got it wrong. For years and years, I got this verse wrong. I took my little encyclopedia of words and what they meant and I put it on that Bible verse and I heard they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait to me went directly to waiter, went directly to serving. And so in my mind that verse said, they that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. We need to be careful sometimes when we're reading the Bible because that's not at all what this verse is talking about this verse is not talking about waiting on the lord right this verse is talking about kavaing <laughs> on the lord in the tension waiting on him hoping on him hoping on him jeremiah 14:22 says set your kava we set your our, i'm sorry we set our kava we set our hope on you, for you do all these good things. Lamentations 3.25 says, the Lord is good to those who kavah on him. And the best part about all of this is that these writers of the Old Testament were waiting for something that we now know. We know that that release of the tension is found in the New Testament, is found in Jesus. He is the fulfillment, the reality of that waiting, right? It's him. He is our hope, he is our fulfillment. The word that is introduced in the New Testament Because it's a new language, right? Okay, so pause here just for a second. So, lots of times when I'm teaching the kids, I'll teach them that the Bible is written in different languages. I'll say something like, You know, the Bible isn't written in in English, right? And one sweet little boy a couple of weeks ago said, Is it written in French? I was like, no, not French, sweetheart, uh, you know, and we talk about Hebrew a little bit, and we talk about Greek and Aramaic, like, we talk about these things, because I want them to know how to read their Bible when they're going out and doing it on their own. I want them to know how. I can't teach them every story. I can't teach them all the disciplines that we should do or all of those things, but I want them to have something that they can take and then apply as they read, right? Okay. Okay. Back to the Greek word for hope. It's elpis is the name of it. I can say that one. it's nice and short. Um, And it's an expectation. Most often in the New Testament, it's an expectation for something good. It's something good. And we know, like I said, that that expectation is Jesus. We can abide in faith, elpis, and love. We can abide there, can't we? We live there. It's in us. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good peace, he gave it to us through grace, may that comfort us. And establish us in every good word and grace. May it comfort us and establish us as we live through this life that sometimes is mundane. And sometimes is difficult. And sometimes is overwhelming. Hope is there. It's not something we're longing for. It's there. It's the hope of the gospel the hope of glory, the hope, the expectation of salvation, of being made whole and complete. Again, we're not longing for it. We expect it because we know Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Hope is alive. The New Testament hope is alive. That's awesome. It's growing. It's changing. It's maturing even in us. I think that's an awesome thought to look at hope that way. It's there for us, even on the most mundane and difficult days. And whether it's Yahal, whether it's Kavah, whether it's El Peace, hope makes a great lane line. It gives us direction. It keeps us from bumping into each other. It lets us know where the wall is. Isn't that awesome? I love that. There have been days recently (laughs) that I have wanted to quit, that I have wanted to go and sit in my room and do nothing. I don't know. And I think about the hope and the humility that I have in Jesus, and it keeps me going keeps me in that lane. And I hope that with that, some of you guys can kind of understand that swimming in lanes, it's not so bad always. We get to choose the lane. We get to choose the lane lines, right? The aspirations that Paul puts in front of us are awesome. Awesome. We get to choose what we do with the knowledge that we have of the good news. All right. Can you guys handle one more swimming picture? One more swimming analogy? Sorry to do this to you, but it's what I know. I mean, you know, we we laugh at a... How the the different speakers, you know, get to to do kind of their thing. Clark will always challenge us to think in bigger and broader ways because that's what he does a lot. Matt will always just challenge us (laughs) because that's what he does. He's a challenger, pushy kind of person, right? From Rick, you're always going to hear about God's love and how great it is and how loved we are and how daddy loves us. You're going to always hear that, right? For me, I'm going to have to connect it to something you're going to do. Cause that's just what I do. And swimming is something I did. So that's the analogy you got for today. So last picture about swimming today. So the pools that I grew up in when I was swimming, although I lived in California, all the pools were outside. So in the summer when, um, you know, it was hundred and something degrees outside, the biggest problem we had was that the pool water actually got too hot. Because it was very hard to work out in this steamy hot water, right? In the winter, it was a different story. It was a different story. Swimming in the winter where I grew up, there were days that it dipped down into the 40s and then the 30s and the occasional 20s outside now the pool water was like 78 which sounds balmy but it's not when it's 20 degrees outside it's cold and it would be so cold that as we swam and we made little splashes over the side of the road you guys know what kickboards are the little kickboards would be on the deck and little pools of water would land on the on the uh kickboard it would freeze and, you know, the, the blocks, the starting blocks where the backstrokers, you know, they put their, handle, their hands there, the icicles would form. I mean, it was cold. And you guys know what happens when you have warm water that's steaming and rising and it meets cold water? What does it create? Fog. A deep, dense fog. And there were times that you could be at one end of the pool and you couldn't see the other end. You couldn't see it because of the fog and as I said before one of the jobs of the lane lines were to show you where the wall was and as we were swimming it was only by looking at the lane lines could we know where the wall was our goggles would get foggy everything was foggy and by the change in the color you would know that the walls were there and it's when Circumstances of our lives fog our vision that we need the lane lines the most. When our circumstances make it so that we can't see the wall, that's when we need those lane lines to help us to keep going. Humility and hope guide us when we can't see through our circumstances. It's a humble hope that reminds us who we are and where we're going. Humility and hope together, swimming in that lane, humility and hope tell us when it's time to rest. Like, catch your breath, sweetheart. I know you're going to have to go in a minute, but catch your breath. You can do it. Humility and hope let us know when it's time to turn around. Sometimes we think we're supposed to go this way. We think we're supposed to do this. And humility says, "Eh, maybe it's time to turn. And hope says, yeah, it's time to turn. It's going to be okay. Even if you're in seventh place, like Michael was in that race. Humility and hope let us know when it's time to put our head down and just finish. Put our head down and get to the wall as best as we can. And so with Paul's aspirations in mind to share the good news about Jesus, to please God by loving others, and to live gracefully in this life, I know I think this is a good thing for me to do. It's a good way for the good news to work itself out in me. And with these lane lines, for me, humility and hope are a good guide. And so now, before we close, it's time for you to think about what your aspirations might be. They might be what Paul has laid out, maybe there's others. What can be your lane lines to guide you on those days that are difficult or mundane, right? I think the mundaneness sometimes is just as hard as the hard. <laughs> I do. But remember, this whole thing is about swimming in the lanes, not just to stay there forever, but to get out into those open waters where the waves are. And for those of you that enjoy the waves and have no trouble, remember the lane lines can actually help you ride those waves and enjoy them even more. So in this life, the waves are inevitable. Let's see if together we can find the joy in writing them out. And that is all I've got for this morning. Let's pray. Thank you.